Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Um, I, got a, I got a phone call from Ida. Uh, Ted and Ida uh, run our campus in Malawi, and she is, in, she is stateside right now. And she, uh, she called me this week and she said, Pastor, we, we're kind of having a bit of a problem here in Malawi or in Malawi. And I said, I said, what's going on? And she said, well, you're, the team came out in May. I was uh, part of a team that we went over there and we got to do these big crusades and, and see, we saw at one crusade, almost a thousand people accept Christ. I mean, just incredible amounts of things took place that were, that were amazing. And she said, there was one lady that you, that you were able to pray for and she had been sick and she had been losing weight and, and everybody was worried that she was gonna pass, pass away. Well, she's the chief of this particular village that we went to. And she said, and, and when we prayed, she got healed. And so she's, she's doing amazing now. And I said, well, Ida, that doesn't really sound like a problem to me. What's the problem? And she said, well, now that chief, it's, it's a village that's a ways away. And she is telling everybody that they need to go to River of Life Church. Um, and I said, well, I still not seeing what the problem is. And she said, well, the other churches are getting angry now. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, we don't want to be taking people from other churches. So we walked that, we walked that through a little bit. But in the middle of that conversation, uh, she also told me that she's stateside because the U.S. government has brought her and a contingency of different uh, young African leaders together um, because they want to hear their stories and what they're doing. And so she is part of this elite group. And she told me, she said, uh, Pastor, I just want you to know that every Sunday now, all of these young African leaders, we're going to get together and we're going to watch River of Life Church together. And uh, she said, some of them are Muslim. Some of them are from all different backgrounds, but they've all agreed that we will watch church together. And so I- I'm mentioning that to you because I want you to be in prayer. What an amazing opportunity. I, I'm blown away by how faithful God is. That I, I was just getting the opportunity before church to share that all of these doors that God has opened, they've not even been doors we've been knocking on, but he just continues to be faithful. As we continue to say yes, he continues to just open more and more doors for us. And so I just, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see uh, what God is gonna do through that. And so uh, tomorrow morning when I preach, I'll say hi to, to that uh, delegation of young African leaders, but, but just really neat to see and to, and to just wonder what, what God has in store for us. Amen? Yes. Well, we're in a series that we started last weekend called Stronger. We're looking through the book of Philippians, but the key verse, verses that we're using uh, throughout these next few weeks is this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Let's pray. God, in these next few moments, as we look at your word, I know that you are calling your church to be strong. I know that you are asking us to rise up and to be who you're calling us to be. And I'm so grateful, Father, that 
that even though we look at this book and we have an understanding that Paul is writing these words from prison and probably didn't look like what he thought the plan was going to look like, but because he was in that prison cell and because he had the ability to write to the church of Philippi, we can sit in East Missoula today and Star Valley today and Malawi and, and, and all over this world and we can read these words and we can understand what you are calling your church to look like. So Father, we praise you for that. God, I pray that we will not just hear your word, but we'll apply your word, that it will become something that's ingrained inside of us and it will make us stronger. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So over these next few weekends, we're gonna just spend some time looking at this particular book of the Bible. Last week I told you that Paul wrote this while he was in jail. He, he was in this not what we would consider a great situation, but Theologians consider Philippians to be his happy letter. And he wrote his happy letter from an unhappy place. But because he had gotten his priorities in order, because he understood what life was actually all about, his circumstance didn't matter. It didn't dictate the way that he felt about life. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get to that place. I want to be able to wake up in the morning and even if things are hard to be able to be in a place where I understand that my joy does not come from my circumstance. My joy comes from my savior. My peace does not come from the fact that I have no turmoil. My peace comes from the fact that I serve a God who is always in control. So he writes this happy letter from a place that most of us would consider very unhappy so we looked at chapter one last week and we're gonna look at chapter two this week. And then next weekend, Pastor Hunter is going to talk to us about chapter three. And so I wanna make sure that you're out here because that's gonna be a great, great service. And Pastor Seth will be back leading worship. But man, our team did a great job tonight, didn't they? They were struggling, not that they were struggling, sound, we were having sound issues, things weren't working, and they came up to the pre-service prayer and just said, listen, we're going to lean in and we're going to trust God, and if the, if the soundboard shuts off and the, the mics don't work, we're going to just continue to worship, and, and guess what? God will be glorified no matter what, amen? <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 3, says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only at his own interest, but at the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, that at that name, Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Proverbs tells us that without vision, people perish. Now, I'm thinking about this letter that Paul is writing, and he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's basically, last week we said he was talking about the what, but in this part of the letter, he's talking about the why. He wants us to understand why, and can I tell you that whenever we're moving in something, understanding the why can be the most important thing. 
we can all, we can say, I understand what I'm supposed to do. And that's where I think a lot of times we get religious. We get, we get told the rules and the regulations and the what of what we're supposed to do. But if we lose sight of the why, we really miss out. Because God is calling us to this place and he wants us to understand why he wants us there. And so as we look at this particular passage of scripture, I believe that Paul is telling us the why. Paul brings us back to this not living selfishly that we talked about last week, but, but understanding that Jesus himself lived so selflessly. He poured himself out. And I, I, I think that there's something that's valuable. As I want to pause here for just a moment. Um, over the last 15 years since we planted River of Life Church, it's been interesting because I've watched as people have come in and they've, they've planted churches and I've even met with many of those who would plant churches and they'd come and they'd talk to me and many of them would come and they'd talk to me about the what. What I'm doing, this is what we're going to do, this is what it's going to look like and that's great, we do need to know the what. But then the question that I always ask is why? And the reason that we ask the why is this, we need to know why we're doing what we're doing. See, if you're doing it just because, hey, it seems like it's a good place and it'd be fun to have a church here or it'd be fun to, to be part of a ministry here or even when people come to me and say, hey, I want to start a ministry, the what is great. I, I love to know the what, the details of what you think you're going to do. The question is that's more important to me is why are we doing it? Why? What's the reason that we're doing it? Because if we don't know the why, what'll happen is we'll come in and we'll, like whether we're gonna do a ministry, plant a church, whatever that looks like, we'll, what we'll end up doing is we'll probably go, hey, I've seen this other place and they do it like this and so I would like to do that here. When we planted River, the thing that was unique for us was God had given us a very clear why. The why was that there are marginalized people. There are people that are overlooked. There are people who are misunderstood. There are people who don't get reached by your typical church. And so God said, the why is that? You're gonna go and you're going, to, you're going to be a church that reaches those that no one else will reach. And the what was, we're gonna do it through outreach. We're gonna do it through serving. We're gonna do it through being that church that instead of spending money on, on things that, you know, I mean, you, you walk into this room and if you're new here, welcome. You can look at our floor, see how, how important things are to us. But we have, we have a fleet of trucks, right? Like that's where our money goes. And trust me, our money goes to the fleet of trucks <laughs> over and over and over again. Because God called us. He said, your why is to reach those that no one else is going to reach. You can have the fanciest building. You can have all the high-tech stuff. You can, you can look like like you've got it all together and some of those people will never set foot into that building and if they do, they may feel a little bit intimidated because they don't feel like they belong there. But God told us the why is you're gonna go and reach those people. And so, so inside of that, we, we, we have to constantly revisit that. We have to constantly look because what can happen is you can know your why when you start but then you lose sight of it over time and you begin to start to look like everybody else. And so it's something, one of the first pastoral positions that we hired was outreach pastor because we knew we have to keep this at the center of what we're doing. We want this to always be at the forefront of where we're going. So, so Paul is taking time right here and he's saying, I, I know you know what the what is, but I want you to know the why. And a few weeks back as we were in our ghost story series, I told you that we needed to know why we need the Holy Spirit. 
See, a lot of times we'll talk about what Holy Spirit is, what he can bring us, but we don't spend any time on why. And the reason that we, and just to reiterate that, the reason that Holy Spirit came was to empower the church to win the lost, right? So, so we need to know that. We need to be reminded of why. And so as we look at this particular passage of scripture, I believe that Paul is spelling that out to us. And in this passage, we, we just read that Paul says that we are to be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice, not just on the cross, but leading up to it. Because before he even got on the cross, he laid down what was rightfully his in order to come and to suffer for us. We're often reminded that Jesus has the name above every name and that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And that's amazing. And, and we know that's going to happen. And we know that that's true. That all of these things that are going on in our world today, I have to remind myself of that because I watch as, as these cr crazy things are happening and, and the debauchery and the, and the craziness of this world, that the day is going to come that those who would scream anti-Jesus things, the day will come where their knee will bow and their tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But as we look at that scripture, what we also need to realize is before that scripture, Paul tells us that Jesus gave up heaven and the safety of where he was in order to be poured out. And it's because of his willingness to lay it all down that God gave him the name above every name. It came from that moment of Jesus saying, I will lay down the comfort of heaven. I will lay down the, the, the authority, the, the, the placement that I was in in order to come to a place where I can allow myself to be poured out. And so for many people, they live their lives trying to seek the glory and the fame. But I'll tell you right now that if you want to be glorified in God's eyes, it comes from laying down who you are. It comes from letting go. Paul is setting the vision. He's telling us how we are to live our, our lives. It's interesting to me, and I, I don't know if this show's even on the air anymore. I've only watched a couple of episodes of it, but for a while there was this show called Secret Millionaire. And it was about different millionaires, and they would go and they would, they would, they would, uh, they would, change the way that they lived their whole life. They would drive a beater car. They would live in a, in a bad part of the neighbor of the, of the town. And they would just get to know different people throughout their day. They would not look like they had any money and they would just kind of lay down all of the, all of the benefits of being wealthy so that they could then go and, 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 and put themselves into a position where they would really get to know people. And out of that, then at the end of the show, they would, they would be writing checks to like this single mom that they met while they were out or the, this business owner that was struggling or whatever. And, and they, that's how they would do it is they would come to this lowly place so that they could experience it. Jesus did that for us. He came to this lowly place and out of that, he pours himself out in a way that is, that is harder than any of us could ever even really imagine. And because of that, God says, because of that, I'm going to glorify your name above every other name. Because of that, your name will be, will be not only glorified now, but it will be the name that every knee will bow to, that every tongue will confess, that every person will understand who you actually are. Jesus saw 
his being God as something to be given away, not selfishly grasped, Paul tells us. He willingly became human for our behalf, relinquishing his glory and retaining, though retaining his dignity. So Philippians chapter two, verse 12, let's continue to read. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run, I, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Paul again takes a moment here and he says, listen, the world is corrupt, it's bad. People live selfishly and you need to look different. We need to look different. This is important because I think sometimes we try to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church we like some of the benefits of being a believer, but we also like the benefits of being in the world. And Paul is, is pushing hard on this understanding that he wants us to, to glean. And that is, is that we are, to, we, are to be, we are to be a people that we pour ourselves out. Last weekend, we talked a little bit about that as we talked about the, the idea that, that when we live our lives for our own comfort, for our own our own uh, happiness and, and things that we think will bring us joy. What will happen at the end of the day is those things are, are false. They actually don't bring us that. But if we choose to live our lives saying, listen, I'm gonna live as selflessly as I possibly can, then all of a sudden we'll find fulfillment because that's what scripture tells us. But what I also find interesting about Paul in this is he is continually talking about not only things like pouring himself out, but he's saying rejoice in it. He doesn't just, Paul takes it always to the next level. It's not just, hey, live selflessly, but it's, hey, be excited about living selflessly. Hey, find joy. When, when hard times come, then let's just rejoice about the hard times. Have you ever met somebody that is um, super opinionated? That they don't, if they're sitting next to you, don't nudge them. Uh, <laughs> but somebody that, that no matter what you say, they can always, they'll argue with you. Like you, you say, you, you know, you, you say, well, I, I, the sky is blue and they'll, you know, they'll not, no, it's green. And they, and they argue, they just, they like to argue. I've got people that I know that like to argue no matter what. I look at this verse and Paul, as he is, as he's talking to us, he says, he says for us to put ourselves into a position so that we are not, we are not arguing. We're not complaining. Why? So that we will look different than this world. We need to stand out. Paul says, if you argue and you complain, you're not gonna stand out in this world. Another translation of that verse says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. A few weeks back, we talked about how when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they came together in one accord. They came together in unity. 
And I told you that that's one of the things that I think the church lacks today is that we lack unity. We, we, we want to argue, we want to, we want to complain about our, our fellow believers, we want to complain about the, the church down the road, we want to complain about this, we want to complain about that, and we need unity because now more than ever, can I tell you, those who are, are, are pushing against salvation, against Jesus, against our faith, they are unifying. And the church sits in disunity and we wonder why we're struggling so bad. As we look at this, it says, do it without grumbling, do it without complaining. And that word that they use for grumbling there is the same word that we would find in Exodus when, we're, when the children of Israel were grumbling and complaining about where they found themselves. It's like a muttering discontent with their situation. It's, they're upset with, with their situation, they're upset with their leadership, they're upset with whatever, but they find themselves in this place where they are constantly upset. How many of you know that when you begin to live a life where you allow yourself to become critical or a complainer, then it's very easy to become that in every situation. You, 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 no matter what you, whatever's going on, Tonight you sit in here and you go, man, it's too cold in the room or it's too hot in the room or the music was too loud or it's too soft or, or Jason was preached too long or whatever. And you'll, you'll find something to complain about no matter what. And, and then the more you do it, the easier it becomes to do it again and again and again. And, and can I tell you that we as believers, we need to start figuring out how to live our lives with gratitude instead of being complainers. Studies have shown that gratitude produces chemicals in your brain, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. Um, Thank you for all the medical people in the room. Um, And they actually make you feel peaceful and happy. So what happens then? You begin to feel peaceful and happy, then all of a sudden now it's a cycle that begins. Because now I feel peaceful and happy, I'm less apt to complain. So how do we get to that place? Because maybe you find yourself in a season of life where things are really hard. So it's really easy to complain about things. You gotta get to a place where you begin to, to purposefully take those thoughts captive and you begin to walk in this understanding that I'm gonna find things to be grateful for. An attitude of gratitude is something that you can start from the moment you wake up. From the very moment you wake up, what if instead of thinking about all the things you need to do or, or the fact that maybe you didn't sleep as well or your husband was snoring last night or, or the dog barked too early and woke you up or whatever it is, instead of that, stop for a moment and take your thoughts captive and begin to say, God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for, for the fact that you've given me this home to live in. I'm so grateful that, you've the jo- that I have a job that I can go to because I know there are many that are struggling in that area. Whatever, you just begin to find those things and you begin to speak those into, into existence. In everything you do, Philippians 2, 14, stay away from complaining and arguing. Can I tell you that when you complain about something, it doesn't help you. If you complain about the weather, it doesn't actually change the weather. We wish it would, but it doesn't. If you complain about the way you look, that doesn't do anything. If you complain about your spouse or your children or your job, it doesn't change anything. It changes something in you. It makes you see things in a negative way. Complaining is a total waste of time. It's stewing without doing, and it's worthless. 
We're called to do, not to, not to just sit and stew in our, in our being upset about whatever's going on in our life. And guess what? If all of a sudden the church, if, if just the group of people that will hear this message on this weekend, if those of us who are, are, are from River of Life, wherever, where, whatever part of the world you're in, if you would just say, you know what, I'm going to try this for a month. I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be grateful. I'm going to find things to be grateful for. And then you begin to say, God, will you show me areas of my life where I'm complaining? And will you help me? I don't expect that you're going to flip overnight. If you're a complainer, then it may be a slow, for some it may be a slower process than others. But what if we started to work in that direction? What if instead, and, and then guess what happens? Other people, because complainers group together, I don't know if you know this or not. If, you, if you're a complainer, you will attract complainers. And we love to complain together. But if all of a sudden you stop complaining, and in fact, when somebody comes and goes, man, I just felt like, I felt like that, you know, the music in the, in the auditorium was too loud tonight or whatever. And you go, you know what? Actually, I thought it was great. I thought it was wonderful. I just was so engrossed in worship. I wasn't even paying attention to any of that. Guess what? Those people are either going to change the way they are or they're going to stop talking to you about it. They'll move on. And guess what? That's okay. Move on. Because I don't want to be a complainer. I want, I want to shine. I want to stand out. Paul calls on them to avoid that way of living. To instead have a posture of purity and reverence, thus making a clear contrast between themselves and the world. Paul calls on them to shine like stars. There's something incredible when you go outside at night, and especially if you're not in the city, if you're out outdoors and some of you are, uh, you know, go camping or whatever, and there's no, there's no city lights, there's no anything, and you, and you sit out and it's only the stars and the moon that are shining. And the contrast is amazing between the brightness of the stars and the darkness of the night. Can I tell you the world is getting darker? The, sh- the stars need to start shining. We've got to start shining. We've got to start, start allowing the differences to be clear. We so often think that the best way to win the lost is to blend in with them. And that's the opposite of what Paul is saying. He's saying, stand out, look different. Back to what we talked about last weekend, the world lives for itself. Its own satisfaction, its own comfort, its own happiness. But once again, we see Paul talking about being poured out and how we need to celebrate it. When was the last time you celebrated your discomfort for the gospel? When was the last time you felt discomfort for the gospel? See, I think many of us avoid it. We don't talk about God. We don't, we don't put ourselves in a position where somebody might oppose our belief system. We, we want to we wanna blend in. We want to make sure that everybody's happy with us. The reality is the world doesn't care about making you happy. They could care less about that. And we are the light of this world. He has put it in us to be the light. That's our assignment. So we need to not worry about what anybody else thinks and we need to stand up. And when we do, and all of a sudden now somebody opposes us, uh, our boss doesn't like the fact that we're a believer, so they start pushing against us or our, uh, you know, our neighbors don't like us anymore, our family members won't come to Thanksgiving dinner because of it or whatever. All of a sudden now we begin to know what it feels like 
to have pushback for the gospel. And instead of then complaining about it, we celebrate the fact that I get to be, I get to be poured out for Jesus' sake. Whew, quiet in here. Got it. The enemy is always about division. He knows if he can separate us, he can overpower us. So that's why this is so important. We need to realize that, that when we find ourselves complaining, when we find ourselves in, in a position where we're, we are um, grumbling and upset, I, I hear people all the time who will say, yeah, I, I have church hurt. I don't want to go to church anymore. People weren't friendly to me. People didn't like me, whatever. And, and that sucks. And that should never be the case. This should always be a place where no matter where you come from, no matter what your past, no matter where you, what, what's going on in your world, you should always be able to come into church and feel as though you, you fit and you're, you're okay here. But inside of that, I'll see people who've been in church for a long time and they'll begin to make excuses why they've backed away because they feel, they feel hurt or they feel like people didn't, make, didn't really try with them. And my question to them always is, did you try? It's amazing to me how many people will say, oh, I don't have any relationships. And I'm like, well, if you would talk to you, you both say you don't have any relationships. Well, talk to each other. Like, you, well, this is a fixable problem. We can fix this, right? Most of the time, it's the people that will slip in five minutes, you know, church chat's just wrapping up. And then as soon as the last song is being sung, they're out leaving. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any relationships at the church. Go figure. It's crazy. The enemy wants to divide us. That's why when Paul's talking about don't complain, don't grumble, don't cause discord, don't do any of that stuff. Instead, find the good in things. Man, what if we could change the glasses that we wear and we could begin to see things through this lens of understanding that even when things are hard, they're still good because God is always good. And if we've actually placed our lives in his hands, then even in the bad, we can say it's gonna be good though. Paul's sitting in jail, encouraging them, hey guys, don't grumble and complain. He's literally like got his, his writing hand chained to this guard. He's like, hey, can I have a little bit more leash here? I gotta write this part of the letter. Don't grumble and complain, guys. Amazing. But he gets it because he understands the why. The why is because Jesus loved him so much that he died on the cross, that he poured himself out so that Paul could say, I figured it out. I know what it is to feel real freedom. And so it doesn't matter if I'm in chains. It doesn't matter if I'm on the road. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting with you in a meal. None of it matters because all that matters is I'm gonna bring glory to God in whatever situation I find myself in. Listen to this, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love that verse because what Paul is saying to us is he's saying, listen, sometimes you're gonna feel powerless. Sometimes you're gonna feel like, I don't know if I want that. But if you'll pray and say, God, will you give me the desire to be who you're asking me to be? And then give me the power to do it as well. What does that mean? Strength. Give me the strength to see it through. So even if today doesn't look the way I think it should look, even if it's harder than I think it should be, even if, even if I didn't get the promotion I thought I should get, even if my coworkers are mean to me today, whatever, if my wife and I fight today, what, whatever it is, I'm gonna just say, God, I'm gonna trust you in this and I need you to give me the strength to do your will. Real quick, before we close this out, I wanna look at what his will is. What pleases God? 
What pleases God is when we look different than this world. When we walk in forgiveness, when we don't grumble, when we don't complain, when we stop chasing what the world says we need and we start pursuing what he created us for. Back to verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. What if we actually did this? What if we laid down what we feel is in our best interest and we began to pick up what God says is in his best interest? Conflict normally arises from hurts, from misunderstandings and from selfish motives. If you've got a lot of conflict in your life, it may be because um, you've been hurt in some way and you're letting that bleed over into, into a relationship or maybe it's because you have some selfish ambition that you want to see fulfilled and, and you feel like people are getting in your way. But a lot of times it's from misunderstandings. Hurt people hurt people and I've said, we've said that before. But the more someone is experiencing hurt, the more likely they are to lash out at someone else. So people who aren't experiencing hurt don't hurt others as much. People who are filled with love are often loving towards others. People who are filled with joy are joyful towards others. People who are filled with peace are peaceful with the people around them. But people who are hurt will often hurt other people. People who walk in gratitude will be able to see the good in things instead of the bad. If you want to connect with people, you must start with their hurts and meet them where they are. If you want to be a good, uh, if you want to be good at relationships, you need to understand that that to dig in with somebody and to understand where their hurt comes from, and to be able to to speak to that and to and to help them with that, all of a sudden it changes things. Philippians chapter two verse four says, "Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too." You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So in times of conflict, are you often so busy trying to get others to see your position that you don't stop to listen to theirs? Sometimes we get into arguments or, or debates with people. We don't actually listen to them. Sometimes we're so busy trying to figure out how we're going to rebut what they're saying that we're not actually listening to what they're saying. Find that... My wife and I, when we have conflict, we'll, we'll now do this thing where we'll, we'll say, hey, I'm gonna just sit here and I'm gonna let you just talk and you tell me what, what, you know, what's going on and I won't interrupt. That's hard, just gonna tell you right now. <laughs> but it will sit and then when she's done, then I'll, I'll take, I'll say, okay, now it's my turn. <laughs> and we'll talk. But can I tell you, there's something that's amazing about that and it's hard because you gotta almost train your brain a little bit because the, the, the easy thing to do is she's talking and I'm immediately rebutting in my head, she's wrong there, she's wrong there, right? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> right? But if you actually stop and listen, then all of a sudden I get the big picture and I begin to understand. Paul is calling the church saying, don't, don't have conflict, don't do this. Make other people's interests important to you. Don't just walk your life out saying that it's all, what, what's important to me is what needs to be important to everybody else. Because can I tell you, if you live that way, you're going to live disappointed. Yeah. Conflict resolution starts with the way that you look at the situation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, the Greek word skopos 
it's a word that means, it's the same word that we would use in microscope or telescope. It means to focus. What are you focused on? And if we start to focus on the person and not trying to win the argument, then all of a sudden it changes the way that we walk things out. There's an old proverb that says, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. I, I, I'm giving you these, these last few moments, I wanted to give you some tools because I really feel like if the church the capital C church, if we could come to a place where we learned how to not be at conflict with, with ourselves, if we would learn how to, to really not be complaining, not, not upset with each other, not whining, not seeing the negative and everything, what will happen is we will shine like stars. We will look different. If somebody hurts us and we're able to jump right into forgiveness, the people in your life that don't know Jesus are going to be like, how do you do that? And to be able to say, I can forgive because I've been forgiven. I can let things go because, because Jesus so loved me that he, he had it all. He had everything that anybody could ever want and he laid it down because he loved me that much. So I'm willing to try and figure that out in my own life. And guess what? All of a sudden, people who think Christianity is some, is some you know, cult or some, something where it's just rules and regulations, instead, what they see, they don't see rules and regulations. They see transformed lives who can live at peace in any situation. If I could, if I could bottle that and I could say, hey, I got this thing here, and, and no matter what cir circumstance you go through, if you take this thing, you're going to feel peace. When, when your world crashes, you're going to still feel pe people would buy that by the droves. It's free. You don't have to buy it. The problem is most of the church, we don't live like we believe that. We don't practice it. So the world doesn't know anything about it. All they hear is, oh, you go to church, huh? So you got a bunch of rules. You got a bunch of stuff you got to follow. And they don't get to hear about the peace and the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the hope. And we got to start walking that thing out. We got to start showing this world we're different, not because life's harder for us, but because we have freedom. Because Jesus paid it all. We waste a great deal of time and energy on offense, stewing on what other people should have done, could have done, or what you would have done. It's energy wasted. Instead, why don't we do what we're supposed to do? Let's stop wasting time stewing and let's start doing what Paul says. A few weeks ago, we talked about forgiveness and I challenged you and I had so many people come up after that gathering and just say, yeah, but this person, I get it. Totally been there, totally done that. The thing about forgiveness is it's for you too. When you let something go, it changes something in you. Let's not complain, let's not argue, let's not fight. Let's love each other. Let's set the past in the past. And let's shine and let's change the world. God's calling his church to be stronger. He's calling us to look different.
I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. As we close this time tonight, I just really feel like we're going to take a few moments as the worship team leads us in just a little bit more worship. But I really want to take a moment this evening and just allow an opportunity for some of this to soak in. For some of us to come to a place where we are honest. Maybe you are that person and you find yourself seeing the negative. Maybe you're the person that thinks that you have the gift of criticism. It's not a spiritual gift. And tonight you need to just come to a place where you lay that down. Maybe tonight's a night for you where you just need to spend a little bit of time, whether it's at your seat, at the altar, but you can just say, God, I'm going to just start listing the things in my life that I'm grateful for. Because we've got a lot to be grateful for. Start to change your focus. Focus on that. Maybe for some of you, you got things in your life where you got somebody that you are, you are still struggling to, to let some stuff go. And for you, what I would say to you is this. Imagine if God, if Jesus was to walk into this room right now and he had a list of all of your sins, all of your stuff, and he just laid it out on the floor so that everybody could see. If you held that list against what this other person has done to you, there would be no comparison. But yet he forgives. Not only does he forgive, the scripture says that when we ask him to, he forgives us, but he also forgets it. He removes it from you. It's time to forgive. It's time to let some things go. So if that's you tonight, I'm gonna just challenge you in these last few moments to just say, God, I need to let this go. If you need to, if you need to vocalize what the stuff is, then vocalize it, but make that be the, the, the moment of just saying, I'm releasing it. I'm done. Whatever it is in your, in your world that you need to go, I need to shine. I'm ready to, to step out. I'm ready to, to take a hit for the gospel. And when I do, I'm gonna rejoice in it, just like Paul said I should. I wanna pray over you. We're gonna just spend a little bit more time in worship. You're, you're welcome to come and to spend some time at the altar if you wanna do that or, or to, to just pray at your seat, whatever. We've got prayer teams that'll be down here. If you need prayer for anything, they're always more than happy to do that. God, we're so grateful again for this letter that really is just showing your church how we can live not only successfully but peacefully how we can experience peace and rejoice in our troubles because paul shows us he lives it so lord help us to be like that help us to those of us who are struggling with forgiveness i pray that tonight would be a night of, of lord that you do surgery inside of our soul and that you would remove bitterness and strife and anger. And God, for those of us who struggle with complaining and, and arguing, that God, tonight would be a night where that would just be a thing that we release and we trust you so that, Lord, we will shine. Help us to shine. Help us this week to shine. Give us opportunities to show you to a world that is lost and dying and desperate for you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we worship? The altars are open if you want to come for prayer. Hey, thanks for listening. 
River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.